from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and interview for a number of positions, full and part-time. Take advantage of the numerous benefits, including the work today, get paid tomorrow, and telehealth now available. Stop by McDonald's on Coffee Avenue anytime Thursday, October 20th for a hiring day event. Right now, every piece of living room seating at Moss Holders Design Center is on sale. Choose your favorite sofa, love seat, or sectional and get a new look for your living room this fall. Relax with a new reclining sofa or make room for those large gatherings with a new American-made sectional. Receive even larger discounts on every swivel glider, accent chair, and individual recliner. Moss Holders showroom is stocked with inventory, but if you can't find that perfect piece in stock, all special Special order sofas, sectionals, and chairs will receive the same savings. That's Moss Holders Living Room Upholstery Sale going on now. Moss Holders, furniture is our passion. Sheridan and Johnson County Estate Planning Lawyers are pleased to present the 2022 Estate Planning Seminar. This free-to-the-public seminar will be held Saturday, October 22nd, beginning at 9 a.m. at the Hub on Smith, 211 Smith Street in Sheridan. Refreshments will be served during breaks as well as light lunch. The estate planning tool bag includes wills, trusts, probate, senior living options, long-term care, and much, much more. Reservations not required, but you can call 672-8905 to make a reservation. For more information, look for the ad in the Country Bounty. As we enter the fall months, have you made that plan to market your business? Are you stuck, confused on what to do? Hi, this is Bob Grammons, General Manager at Sheridan Media. Let us help you put a plan in place as we gear up for the holiday season. Sheridan Media can market your business on up to nine different radio stations. We can place your print ad in front of nearly 18,000 households in Sheridan and Johnson County with the Country Bounty. Or market your business worldwide through a variety of digital products that we offer. We can also place your ad on our two websites. Let our creative and experienced marketing team put a well-thought-out and professional, comprehensive marketing plan together to connect with your customers on multiple media platforms. No high pressure. Let's tell your story, whether locally or across the country. Call Sheridan Media today at 672-7421 or email sales at SheridanMedia.com and let us go to work for you. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program brought to you by Eliason Financial. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. Now, a few weeks ago, we posted a poll question regarding the use of corporal punishment in Wyoming schools. During that discussion, I referred to an executive summary of a study entitled An Analysis of Wyoming Public School Administrators' Perceptions on the Use of Corporal Punishment in Wyoming Public Schools. That study was done by my guest, Tongue River Middle School Principal, Dr. Jeff Jones. Good morning, Dr. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, you and I have been in contact for a couple of weeks now, getting trying to get you on here, discussing this study that you did, mm-hmm. um, which I appreciate you sent in to me. Um, as we were talking before the show, I didn't even realize that it was still legally protected in the state of Wyoming. I thought that this archaic practice had been put to the wayside some time ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, how long have you been in the education field? Actually, this year is number 30 for this me. This is 30 <laughs> This is 30. Yeah, I started out as a school teacher in 1993, um, taught for several several years, and really enjoyed it. Um, knew that I was going to continue in the profession for 
lots of years to come. I found myself kind of drawn to uh, students that really challenged me with behavior problems uh, for a variety of different reasons. Um, one of the degrees that I graduated with my bachelor's was psychology. And so uh, besides doing my student teaching, uh, I also had to do some time uh, with an internship uh, for semester, a couple semesters for my psychology degree. And I had a lot of really um, kind of light bulb moments dealing with some really, really challenging behaviors um, through all of that. And then as I went into teaching, I kind of used that training, I guess, to understand um, that behavior is there's always a reason for behavior. Um, we don't always know, and sometimes it takes a little bit more understanding until you get to the point where you, you can figure out, you know, what's, what's driving someone's behavior. Um, but I ended up deciding that I wanted to get my master's in school counseling and wanna, I kind of wanted to spend more of my time doing, you know, individual and group work with kids that specifically were having a hard time. And so I did that for uh, six years, and during that six years, I was at a large middle school in Idaho at the time, and there were four different school principals during that six-year period. Wow. <laughs> and so I kind of became the quasi-principal uh, by default, and through a lot of encouragement from my staff members, um, they asked me, you know, you need, to, you need to just do this. You need to get your admin degree. So I went back to graduate school in the evenings and the summers, got my ed specialist in school administration, became the principal of that school, actually. And uh, then continued on in administration for probably, gosh, 12 years. Took a break uh, recently, uh, probably five years ago, and I taught at Sheridan College in the teacher education department. And then uh, there was an opening at Tongue River Middle School. Mr. Kilbride was transferred or promoted, I guess, up to superintendent. And so I ended up getting the job at Tongue River Middle School. What started this fire in the first place? <laughs> where, where did this inspiration to become an educator come from? So shockingly, but maybe not shockingly, when I was teaching at the college, I was teaching a foundations of education class and I was preparing, I was sitting in my office preparing the lesson and I stumbled across the content that I was preparing in. Corporal punishment was one of them. And I had to kind of read it twice to, to really gauge that 19 states still legally protected the paddling of students in their public schools, and Wyoming was one of them. And I thought, okay, so I've been in this business at that time, 25 years, and I had no clue. So yeah. the, I would just guess that most people had no clue. If I'm in the business and I had no clue for that long, you know. So I walked out into the, the uh, classroom that day, I remember, and I specifically asked the students, there were probably 20 students in class, I said, so raise your hand, you know, give me, give me a guess as to when you think corporal punishment was ended in the United States, kind of setting them up. And hands went up, you know, 1910, 1920. They were shocked to realize wow. that it, not only did it not go away, but it's, it's still uh, alive and well, legally protected in 19 states, and Wyoming's one of them. Wow, but everyone in that class thought, oh, well, this is something that got left behind before the car would yeah, gain yeah. popularity. Well, and keep in mind, the vast majority of my students in that classroom were probably, you know, in their 20s. Yeah. So it was really not a part of their world at all. Yeah. So. Yeah, because I would imagine there's probably not a lot of educators in the state that practice this on, on no. a daily basis or even a yearly basis. Right. Now, what defines corporal punishment. Yeah, so 
Um, if you look, there's a lot of different areas where it's defined, but it, it, almost always it comes back to this specific kind of gist of this, and it's physical pain inflicted on the body of a child, usually in the form of paddling with a wooden board or whipping with a leather strap as a penalty for disapproved behavior. Okay. So paddling or whipping, right. essentially. And, and it's important to understand, and I want this to be kind of loud and clear to the listeners, this is about corporal punishment in public schools in Wyoming. That's, that's my beef. This has absolutely nothing to do with uh, what the law says is allowed within the privacy of your own home as a parent. Yeah. That's not my thing. My, my issue here is we know enough now, and we'll get into more of the, the reasons why later, but we know enough now that this is wrong. The, there is no reason under the sun in today's day and age with what we know and with the atmosphere now, especially uh, that's been kind of tense between families and schools, I'm pretty sure that um, there is no reason why a school official should be smacking other people's kids in our schools in Wyoming. And that's how I feel. Agreed. Agreed 110% on that. Uh, and we took a poll a while ago, and it seemed that the majority agree with you. Now, when we look at the study, what does the study look at? Uh, so if someone were to read it, yeah, what are they going to see? Well, um, so kind of going back to that college class that I was preparing to teach, what happened was I was doing, I was in a doctoral program at the University of Wyoming in ed, ed leadership. And what I decided to do, um, I, I was kind of stuck. I was, I was writing a dissertation at the time. So I was, I'd taken all the coursework. I was writing my dissertation. And at that time, the topic was the validity and reliability of grading practices in the state of Wyoming. And I just about fall asleep saying that out loud right now. <laughs> and so I was like, man, am I going to be able to have the gas in the tank to do this dissertation? You know, a hundred page paper that probably no one's ever going to read. And so um, that day I, I stumbled across the corporal punishment lesson, you know, and I thought, you know, I wonder if the administrators in Wyoming are have the same feelings about this topic as I do. And wouldn't that be cool to, to check on that? And so uh, kind of you know, launched from there. I just pivoted away from my dissertation, completely quit it, and started all over on a brand new dissertation. And the gist of it was, kind of at the heart of it was, I sent a survey to every uh, administrator in a public school in Wyoming that would be likely to give um, or be in the position to give corporal punishment. So in other words... At the larger school districts, I, you know, who have central offices where there's a superintendent and there's thousands of kids, I didn't send the, uh, the survey to them because they would be unlikely to be the one doing corporal punishment because yeah. they were, they're not in the building at that time, you know, giving the, the school discipline. So I sent it to uh, all the building administrators. And then in the small schools where there were, you know, K-12 superintendents and they probably would be the one doing the, the discipline, I did send it to those uh, administrators. And so there were, um, when I sat down with my dissertation committee, the uh, percentage of responses I thought was kind of low. It was uh, in the 40s, 40%. It was actually exactly around 42%. But I found out statistically that that's incredibly high for a study like this. Really? And, yeah. And so I remember that there were 119 uh, school administrators who responded. And so that's a good number. Um, and statistically, it turns out that it's actually a really high number. So um, it was no surprise, though, that to see the results. Well, let me back up. 
I was a little bit nervous, you know, because you think, what if I send this survey out to all these administrators and I'm the quacky one? I'm the one that's like off my rocker. Yeah. And that is exactly the opposite of what happened. Um, I had a huge sigh of relief and a uh, fist in the air for my own mental health. I kind of say like, all right, I'm not crazy. Um, that 90% of the, uh, the administrators responding agreed that there is absolutely no reason for corporate punishment to be legally protected in Wyoming public schools. That is an overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. As a matter of fact, I think out of all the responses, like I said, 117, I want to say it was like two or three, um, that said that they felt like it, it, uh, it should be legally protected. Yeah. And so then another question I asked was, um, if you were required to deliver corporal punishment as, as a job requirement, if that was a part of your job and you were required to do that, would you be able to do that? And I, I phrased the statement much shorter than that in the survey, but um, 93% said it would not, it would be a deal breaker. They would not accept a job if they were forced to do that. So even some of the percentage that said, yes, it should be legally protected still said, but I'm not going to be the I'm one. I'm not to do doing it. it. I'm not doing it. Wow. Yeah. And I think it, it's a, it's a complex, you know, on one hand, it's really kind of a simple issue in my mind. And, and it goes back to kind of the struggle that I've found out through all of this. And the kind of the, the challenge that I'm taking on is, is one of kind of, I don't know if apathy is the right word. But there's just not a lot of awareness or people really don't care because it's not really a, it's almost like, are you serious? You know, yeah. you know, yeah. kind of one of those things. And so if you're wanting legislation to pass and that's my goal, how do you overcome something that it, people are like, this is not even real, is it? You know? Yeah. And so um, my thing is, is it's kind of ironic if you think about it, if this was happening it probably would be easier to pass legislation because there would be people in communities across Wyoming that would be in an uproar. Absolutely. Oh, and you know, you're, you're hitting my kid. What do you think you're doing? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of that happened in the 1970s and 80s when I grew up. But Trevor's raising his hand right now. <laughs> I yeah. Could, yeah, yeah, I can think of times where I was in class as a student in the 1980s and there was a student sitting next to me by the doorway of the classroom and the the math teacher across the hallway came into our social studies classroom and just smacked the kid across the back of the head like hard uh, his head went flying forward and the reason because he was talking too loud he thought that kid in the social studies classroom was talking too loud and it was disrupting his math classroom and guess what happened to that math teacher Nothing. <laughs> wow. If that were to happen in my school today, well, first of all, I'd be on CNN. My school would be. Yeah. Um, and that's not all a bad thing, you know, because, yeah, times change, but that's not how you handle business. That's right. just not how you do it. Yeah. Especially as an adult, we're trying to teach these kids that, you know, which was always kind of something that I thought as a child, because mm -hmm. in Wyoming at the junior high where I grew up, same thing. I watched the gym teacher use his fist mm -hmm. on students twice. Yeah. And then he wrapped me in the head with a, with a knuckle. And yeah. so I've seen this happen. And I remember thinking, isn't this the same guy who broke up a fight and said that violence right. will never be right. the way that we solve anything? Right. So they're teaching one thing, but they're using, uh, you know, corporal punishment, right. which is violence. Right. I'm, it, it, 
no matter how you look at it, it is yeah. a violent act. Right. Um, so I, I never understood <laughs> the hypocrisy behind it. Mm-hmm. And instantly, you know, if I feel that a teacher of any sort mm-hmm. is a hypocrite, I, well, everything you teach me is out the door. Right. Uh, and so that's how I felt about that individual. Still feel that about that individual to yeah. this day. Yeah. You know, you're going to be a hypocrite and teach a kid something. Right. And that says something that you still feel that way today. Absolutely. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, that's what the research says. The incidents where the, where this has happened, it stays with people for years and years and years. Um, and that's, that's sad. Um, yeah. But, you know, at the same time, I understand times change. Um, things were different years and years ago. But at the same time, if you know better, then you should do better. And we know better now. Yeah. And we, we must do better, whether it's being used or not, whether it's just, you know, just kind of sleepily sitting there in the in the back drawer of, a, of our legislation. That's irrelevant. We know better. And so we should be doing better to get that. There's a black eye on the state of Wyoming, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to protecting corporal punishment in our public schools. Absolutely. I agree with you. And we can't ignore it just because it's a law that hasn't been used in quite some right. time. Uh, I think there used to be a law in the books that said something around the lines of uh, a woman is not allowed within 30 feet of a bar. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we have these archaic laws that need to be removed from the books because you never know if someone's going to come along and try to use that law. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we return, we're going to continue with Tongue River Middle School Principal Dr. Jeff Jones. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Sheridan. At Eliason Financial, money management isn't just about dollars and cents. It's about dreams and opportunities, and more importantly, family. We'll take time to get to know you. Then we'll develop a unique wealth management plan that works hard, just like you. To learn more about who we are and what our wealth management advisors can do for you, visit Eliason Financial online or call 307-672-3010. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., Member FINRA, SIPC. Let's talk about tires. Think about the snowy, icy roads ahead. And now think about your current worn-out tires. How safe does that make you feel? Well, lucky for you, Midas Tire and Auto has their best tire sale all year going on now. Buy three tires, get one free. That's 25% off. And the best part is if you aren't ready to put your tires on right now, Midas will hold them until you're ready. How great is that? Don't miss the big tire sale going on now. Midas Tire and Auto on East Brundage Lane in Sheridan. Moss Holder's Design Center would like to help you update your living room this fall. So right now, every sofa, every sectional, and every love seat is on sale. Moss Holder's showroom is filled with excellent American-made brands like Southern Motion, England, Omnia Leather, Intermountain, and more. Whether you'd like top-grain leather sofas or a new fabric sectional, Moss Holder's has lots of in-stock choices. During the sale, receive extra discounts on all accent chairs, recliners, and swivel gliders. That's Moss Holder's Living Room Sale, going on now. Moss Holder's, furniture is our passion. Hi, welcome to Homestar. I'm Sheridan. Hi, Sheridan. I'm Nikolai's the Dancing Clown. You just moved here from Derry, Maine? Yeah, so now we know each other. While you fill out your loan application, you can vote for Homestar's Scariest Movie of All Time bracket on SheridanMedia.com. 
you'll be entered for a chance to win $100 in Chamber Bucks. What are you afraid of? Ha, I'm not afraid of getting your home loan, that's for sure. Wow, this home you want to finance has a huge basement. Oh, there's all sorts of surprises down here. Hey, thanks for the balloon. Don't forget to vote for your scariest movie on SheridanMedia.com. We all float down here. You will float too. Homestar, your easiest way home. NMLS number 70864. Remember when your mom used to say, always wear clean underwear in case you get in an accident? Well, if you ignored her, and now you're getting your neck collar fitted and you have on day-old underwear, then you need the calming, health-giving stuff you can only get at the Health Nut. Aisle after aisle of the supplements you need to get better and to stay better in a healthy deli and grocery store. And no one judges you for your underwear habits. The Health Nut in Sheridan's 5th Street Mall. Good morning. Welcome back to Public Pulse, brought to you by our friends out there at Elias and Financial. I'm Floyd Whiting. This morning, we're speaking with Tongue River Middle School Principal Dr. Jeff Jones. With 30 years in education, Dr. Jones is working to remove the legal protections of corporal punishment in the Wyoming public school system. Uh, now, Doc, we've talked about your history. Let's talk about the history of corporal punishment in public schools. What are the methods that have been used uh, throughout the years that I guess you could say some administrators felt were effective? Yeah, well, a lot of it dates back to the late 1700s, right after the Revolutionary War. But And, and usually it was a, a wooden paddle of some kind. Um, the vast majority of the incidents, that's, that was the case. Um, at that time, though, uh, late 1700s, early 1800s, when schools were just kind of forming the role of the school was completely different than it is now. The responsibility was, were for the teachers were completely different. Um, and, and it was more driven towards kind of molding the, the child into the type of person that would fulfill the expectations of their religious beliefs. It was very much tied to the religious beliefs of the, of the community and the family members. Um, and along that came with... Uh, um, English common law. So um, you probably have heard the phrase in locus parentis, in other words, in place of the parent. And that's when that, that's where that came from was um, common law. And in the early 1800s, then the role of the teacher was highly, not only um, kind of expected, but it was, it was the purpose of, of the teacher to be that heavy hand when they needed to be, um, because that was the culture of the, the families at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, a lot of it coming back to their faith and their religion. Um, that was uh, the belief at the time that uh, spare the rod, spoil the child and step out of line, you get a licking. <laughs> yeah. And so, it, you know, it is what it is. But that's that was kind of the uh, framework for the beginnings. Um, fast forward into more recent times in the 1900s. Um, there was a huge industrial revolution and scientific advances that led to studies of all kinds, and, and, and human beings were not left out of the equation. So um, you, you read a lot in the, like the 1940s and 50s especially, um, studies on uh, what makes us feel the way we feel, what makes us behave the way we behave, and all these kinds of things. 
Thankfully, there were a lot of advancements because if you read in the early 1900s, there were some pretty crazy things going on in terms of trying to figure out why people behave the way they do. I don't know if you've ever heard of, you know, when they were drilling holes in people's skulls to to drain out the demons and and uh, that kind of thing. And, and they're basically they were thinking that there must be something inside that person that has to be let out. Um, and An so evil of some. Yeah. Sort. Yeah. Uh, some pretty crazy stuff. Um, and then, it, you know, you fast forward 40 years into the 1940s and 50s and you find out, oh, there's this thing called epilepsy that causes people to have seizures. And so, yeah, they're not possessed by a devil. They're actually having an epileptic seizure. Um, and then uh, on and on and on about kind of more some of the more severe mental illnesses um, and, and understanding what's really happening. And so with that uh, came some really well done studies on child development. My master's is in, uh, when I did my master's for counseling, I, I did a, a kind of an emphasis in human development and, and what, what seems to work uh, to promote uh, child development and what things seem to be the most consistent hindrances of child development. And so um, that's coming back to, you know, the way you shape students' behaviors or ch- children's behaviors, the things that you can do that will help promote um, the kinds of behaviors that you want to see and, and the things that you can do that actually set them backwards. Um, it was in the 50s and 60s when that really took off with corporal punishment. And at that time, um, most of the studies were done from the family perspective, you know, parenting and, and rearing ch- children, not so much about schools. Um, fast forward into the 70s and 80s, that completely changed Um there was a pretty famous study when it comes to corporal punishment called Ingram versus Wright. It's a um, Supreme Court decision, and it's kind of the golden rule when it comes to corporal punishment. Uh, basically, it is what allows corporal punishment to be legally protected in the United States is the Supreme Court uh, ruling for Ingram versus Wright. And if you don't mind, I'll just read a really quick summary. It's, it's kind of an interesting story. So in October of 1970, Assistant Principal Solomon Barnes ap- applied corporal punishment to Roosevelt Andrews and 15 other boys in a, in a restroom at Charles R. Drew, Drew Junior High School. This is right out of Miami. A uh, teacher had accused Andrews of tardiness, but Andrews claimed he still had two minutes to get to class when he was seized. When Andrews resisted paddling, Barnes struck him on the arm, the back, and across the neck. Then a week later, on October 6, 1970, Principal Willie Wright removed James Ingram and several other disruptive students to the office, where he paddled eight to ten of them. When Ingram refused to assume a paddling position, Wright called on Barnes and an assistant principal to hold Ingram in a prone position while Wright administered 20 blows. Wow. Ingram's mother later took him to a hospital for treatment where he was prescribed cold compresses, laxatives, and pain-killing pills for hematomas. Ingram and Andrews filed a complaint against Wright, uh, Delaford, Barnes, and Wiggum, the superintendent of Dade County Schools. The complaint alleged that deprivation of constitutional rights and damages from the administration of corporal punishment. They also filed a class action uh, for declaratory uh, and injunctive relief on behalf of the students in Dade County. It, uh, the United States Court of Appeals, they lost out of, out of the gate, and then the, uh, the uh, Court of Appeals reversed that. And it ended up going to the Supreme Court. And at the Supreme Court level, it, um, it was denied 
Um, in other words, they lost uh, with a five to four vote. And basically the Supreme Court, uh, the five members who voted uh, to deny their request, felt like the protections of the Eighth Amendment, so uh, cruel and unusual punishment, they felt like the protections uh, within the school system were enough that students didn't need to worry that things would become cruel and unusual. Um, I would beg to differ with that, but again, that was 1960. Um, I think we're at a different point now, so. Wow, 20 blows, and, yeah. and basically the Supreme Court made a decision saying other administrators will step in before anything's taken too far, essentially. Yeah, um, you know, kind of ironically, around that same time, um, 19, let's see, 1972, Massachusetts and New Jersey were the only two states banning corporal punishment in schools at that time. Um, also in 1972, corporal punishment in U.S. prisons was banned because it was considered cruel, unusual punishment and couldn't be effectively monitored. Uh, that was their justification as to why it was, it was no longer allowed in prisons versus schools. Um, the other key component, if you read the legislation um, about uh, the federal legislation uh, banning this in U.S. prisons, there was a huge concern for the mental well-being of those people who were forced to um, deliver the corporal punishment. Absolutely. I could, <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, sir, we've got a caller. If you want to throw your headset on real yep. quick, we'll see what this individual has to say. All right. Good morning. You're on Public Pulse. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, thanks for taking the call and talking about this. Um, one thing that I think helps people see the problem with paddling students is the issue of hazing. Like you, when you hear about older students paddling younger students, now some of your listeners may remember a movie from the 90s called Dazed and Confused that depicted this. But for a real-life example, at Fort Collins High School in Colorado, 1999, a group of seniors were suspended for paddling sophomores in like a ritual but basically doing the same thing that in many places, you know, principals or teachers do routinely. And it's important to know the official definition of hazing is, quote, any activity that recklessly endangers the health or safety or causes a risk of bodily injury to another person for the purpose of initiation or admission into any student organization. So teachers can say, well, our purpose is discipline, so it's a totally different thing. But that element of reckless endangerment is still present. And, you know, they don't even, like, put safety pads over the kids' tailbones or train teachers on how to do it as safe as possible. So it's, it's just a bad idea overall. Agreed. All right. Thanks for the call. And, yeah, uh, Doc, has there ever been, like, a training seminar on corporal punishment? Not – actually, it's one of the things that you read about um, in terms of the – um, the reasons why things go off the rails because there is very little uniformity, consistency across the board. And, and I guess maybe some of that is because local control. You know, the whole idea here is that let's leave this up, up to the local school districts to decide because, uh, you know, we didn't, we kind of pr brushed past this at the beginning, but just because a, a state allows it legally doesn't mean that school districts need to allow it. 
So yeah, and I've been contacted by in the superintendents after the show who, yeah. who have told me that yes, it's still on the books, but as soon as I got into this seat, the practice was ceased. Yeah, and and it was made aware to yeah. two individuals that this practice will not be taking place with yeah. schools. So I've been checking um, when I started this whole process. Um, before I did the dissertation, there were 40, you know, there's 48 school districts in, in the state of Wyoming. Um, there were approximately 20 that did not allow it as per board policy. Um, there were about, uh, let's see, I do the math here, but, you know, 18 that didn't mention it at all. Um, and then 10 who specifically mentioned that it was allowed and, and gave instructions on how that would look or how it would work within the school district. Kind of a funny, well, it's not funny considering the topic, but it's ironic. When I got hired to be the Tongue River Middle School principal, I was just kind of digging into this, you know, and I spoke with uh, the new superintendent at that time, Mr. Kilbride, and I, he, his first name's Pete, and I said, Pete, hey, do you know that you guys are one of the 10? My new school district is one of the 10 that has it in board policy that we can be paddling kids. And, and he had no idea, uh, went to the board with it, and they had no idea. And so uh, it went away that summer. And um, at, as we stand today, and I did double check, uh, there are three school districts in Wyoming that specifically still, only three now, that still allow corporal punishment as per board policy. Uh, those three are Lincoln County number one and Kimmer. I have the policy here in front of me, code JKA. Uh, the second one that I have here is uh, Niobrara, Lusk, and I have their, uh, their uh, policy is JGA. And then the third one I have here in front of me, and I did double check this morning, is Park County number one in Powell. Um, but I I have a I have good confidence that that's going away. It just hasn't happened yet. I don't want to disclose conversations that I had, but um, you see a huge range in the policies. Um, I think I mentioned in in my executive summary one of the most alarming was <clears throat> a school district. Thankfully, that policy is no longer um, in in the works, and it's it's been taken off the books. But it was in Wyoming here, one of the school districts, and it specifically allowed uh, substitute teachers to paddle students as needed um, for for behavior management and disciplinary practice. And I I just cannot wrap my head around. It's hard enough for me to wrap my head around having a school principal do that let alone at that level a substitute <laughs> a substitute teacher yeah 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 not 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 to bag on substitutes they're nope. absolutely vital uh love them to death but right. th- to come into somebody else's class exactly. and administer that kind of punishment right if you're only going to be there a week at probably the most at, yeah you don't have a relationship with the kids um things can get off the trail off the trail real quickly for me Here's here's the here, kind of how I believe about uh, the whole issue of corporal punishment and the, and the bigger scope. Maybe um, I feel like it's it truly is up to the individual parents uh, if this is something that they want to incorporate into their parenting within the confines of their home, within the the bounds of the law. But I absolutely feel that school officials absolutely have no reason to be utilizing this practice anymore 
we're not in 1880. Um, we're not in the one-room schoolhouse where that expectation of staff is is like it was back then. As a matter of fact, if anything, I feel like the the atmosphere in today's world with families and schools and, and having some stresses and, ten, and tensions here in the last few years, if there's ever a time where a school should stay in their lane – uh, when it comes to smacking kids, I would say, man, I think we've arrived. Now is the time. Uh, yeah, I yeah. would agree with you 110% on that. And now's the time to try and get this off the books of Wyoming state law, in my opinion. And we'll discuss that a little bit when we come back. You're listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE at 103.9 FM. Sheridan. Financial money management isn't just about dollars and cents. It's about dreams and opportunities, and more importantly, family. We'll take time to get to know you. Then we'll develop a unique wealth management plan that works hard, just like you. To learn more about who we are and what our wealth management advisors can do for you, visit Elias and Financial online or call 307-672-3010. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. And find me no cure, for tis only love that I know to be pure. Oh, sweet Nigel, what do I do? Your poetry moves me in indescribable ways. It makes me want to sing and dance and see the encore performances of Something Rotten at the Wyo Theater. Then what's stopping you? Oh, you startled me. You see, my Puritan father would never approve. Come on. This is the 16th century. It's time to loosen that corset. Yes, but Something Rotten is a musical. A very funny musical starring my dearest love. He would never understand. Well, you're going to miss one of the best shows of the year if you keep with that attitude. And it's only playing October 20th through the 23rd. You're right. To thine own self be true. I'll get my tickets at wyotheater.com for an encore performance of Something Rotten. Huzzah! Welcome to the Renaissance and the Wyo Theater. What is your business worth? Have you considered buying or selling a business? Our certified valuation professionals at Harker Mellinger can help you determine the proper values in gifting, estate planning, and the purchase or sale of your business. This is Chance Harris. Harker Mellinger has been providing professional valuation services for Sheridan area businesses since 1995. Schedule an appointment today to discuss how a business valuation can work for you. Harker Mellinger. 672-0785. The owners and staff at Kane's Funeral Home would like to thank the families of Sheridan and Johnson Counties for choosing Kane's and allowing them to serve you during these hard times. Kane Funeral Home makes it their mission to take the stress and uncertainty out of ceremonial services. They own and operate the only crematory in Sheridan County, so your loved one is always in their care. Kane's Funeral Home. 
Call 673-5837 or visit them online at canefuneral.com. Sheridan Orthopedic Associates continues its over 50-year tradition of surgical excellence in Northeast Wyoming and Southern Montana with the addition of Dr. Jory Wasserberger, a Wyoming native, and fellowship trained at the Mayo Clinic in Orthopedic Sports Medicine. Dr. Wasserberger joins a team of highly rated surgeons providing spine, sports, hand, hip, knee, and shoulder surgery, joint replacement, and more, including emergency care 24 7, 365 days a year. Visit us at SheridanOrtho.com to learn more. Good morning. Welcome back to Public Pulse, brought to you by our friends out there at Elias and Financial. I'm Floyd Whiting. With me this morning, I'm talking with Tongue River Middle School principal, Dr. Jeff Jones. For three decades, Dr. Jones has worked as an educator. He studied the effectiveness, or lack thereof, of corporal punishment in public schools. Now, he's working to have the legal protections of this practice removed. Doc, we've talked about, uh, we, we touched on how s- some children, and, and we'll say me, who, who were administered uh, uh, corporal punishment to, kept this mm. through their, our, our whole lives. If you remember that individual. Mm-hmm. And it will stick with us. And it's not a fond memory of Mm -hmm. that individual, which I'm pretty sure every teacher in the United States is not going for that kind of memory in the children that they teach. Right. What changes have taken place in corporal punishment over the last uh, couple of years? Yeah, so there there actually been some significant drops in um, the number of cases of of corporal punishment over the years. in, in just the last 10 years, the number of cases have dropped from roughly 160,000 uh, 20 years ago in, the, in our country to uh, around 60 to 70,000 in the last 10 years. Um, huge drops throughout the states. I have a map here in front of me. It's kind of interesting. So the last reported uh, or the last report to the Office of Civil Rights, that's where the numbers are reported every time. Um, it's not reported every year. It's a little bit of a lag. but So this is from 2017 and 18. And just looking at the map, for example, um, the, the state with the highest numbers is Mississippi with just over 20,000 incidents in that year. Um, 20,000 incidents, 2017 alone. That's, yeah. My I, goodness. Exactly. Uh, Texas is uh, coming in second at just under 14,000. Uh, then you have, or excuse me, uh, yeah, yeah, Texas is second. And then, uh, then you have Alabama at just over 9,000, Arkansas just under 9,000. Um, about 75% of the cases of corporal punishment any given year are in that kind of the deep south, southeast. That region, yeah. 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 Um, just for example, if you look at the kind of the central United States and, and as far west as we can go on this map with, with states that still legally protect it, Idaho, for example, it's still legally protected there. They had zero incidents. Uh, Wyoming, of course, we haven't had any incidents for a decade now. Colorado, zero incidents. Kansas, zero incidents. And so uh, the vast majority kind of cluster in that south to southeastern part. But one of the things that I think is helping all of that happen, thankfully, is what we know now about um, what works and doesn't work. Um, I, I, I take my profession profession seriously. I feel like as a professional educator, 
Um, it's not just, you know, let's, let's do what feels good today and have fun with this lesson. No, we, we spend a lot of try, time trying to figure out what are the, the best instructional strategies to help this kid learn X or Y or whatever it is, and what are the things that don't have the biggest impact to help those students learn. That's a part of our profession. We do that daily. Uh, the same is true when it comes to behavior management. What are the things that will help this kid excel behaviorally? And what are some things that are going to help him come over that hurdle a little quicker um, if he stumbles or makes poor choices or whatever? And the fact of the matter is, for years and years and years, I frankly, I feel like we've just ignored the research when it comes to corporal punishment. It's pretty overwhelming. Um, I just have a handful of studies here. I'm not going to go through the entire study, but I'll just read the, t- the title. And, and this first one is a meta-analysis. Um, so they're looking at study after study after study and kind of comparing and contrasting what those studies are saying. This is from 2022. It says the association between school, corporal punishment, and child development outcomes, a meta-analytic review, excuse me. And what they find is that it, it actually doesn't reduce behavior problems. It does the exact opposite. It increases really? the behavior problems. Um, there's always those people that say, well, it worked for me. Well, here's, right. here, here's the thing. Um, the vast majority of well-done behavior management practices will work for the vast majority of students. So if you have a person that says, well, when I was a student, I got smacked across the face or I got slapped across the head or I got swatted and it changed my behavior, I am here to tell you that I would put money down that if, if somebody knew what they were doing with behavior management and didn't pull the lever of using that cor- of corporal punishment – you would have learned as well, just as easily without getting paddled. And so there's a, there's a long history of making excuses for people who go to the paddle and, and say, well, it worked. Well, yeah, it worked, but it wasn't necessary. That's an excuse that, well, it worked for me, so therefore this must be a practice that works in general. The fact of the matter is it isn't. And more alarming, study after study after study is showing that the students that are getting repeatedly beaten are students with disabilities. And so if it works, like the, the truest measure of something working is that you would see that whatever your behavior wanting to extinguish goes away. Well, if it's not going away, then how many times do you need to see a kid get hit before you realize this practice is not effective? It, it almost... I, I I hate to say something like this out loud, but it but it almost seems like the frustration yeah. of dealing with the behavioral problems is overtaking the administer, the teacher, whoever is actually administering that corporal punishment. They're right. just angry. And right. that's the result of it. Right. Uh violence. For those individuals out there who want to make this change who are, who are towing the line with you, uh, mm-hmm. with me, because mm-hmm. I'm with you on this as well. What do we need to do, Doc? Uh, yeah. How do we get this protection yeah. off of that law book? Well, the first thing, thank you, by the way. First thing I think is our state legislators need to hear from you because it's not happening in schools, and I'm grateful for that in our in our state. It's not happening in Wyoming. Um, our, our educators know better, and I'm thankful for that. My, my own study proved that uh, 90%, you know, saying this should not be legally protected. So reach out to your legislators. 
and kind of rattle the cage a little bit to say, you know what, we we know better. We don't want this as an option that would be legally protected. The argument of, you know, it's not being used, so why worry about legislation? Why worry about it is because it's wrong. And if you have if you have to ask yourself, if this was consistently being used, would we be in a better position to have a, a, a change in the law? The answer would be emphatically, oh, oh, you bet it would. I mean, that would change quicker than you can blink your eye because parents would be in a complete uproar. Grab your pitchforks Let's and your go. torches. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Yep. And so if that's the case, then we know better. Then let's do the right thing. And that's that's what it's about. Let's do the right thing for the, for today's students, but our future students, and by the way, the parents, because parents don't need to have this on their uh, conscience either that somebody in the school is going to be smacking their kid. That's that's wrong. And a lot of times, uh, a parent might not even know that it's taking mm-hmm. place until the child comes home. Uh, in a certain situation in my youth, I had a friend who uh, did something that was pretty dastardly, but not out of an unusual context within a school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was paddled. He went home and told his father, and mm-hmm. his father was quite upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went to the school and had words with the principal on that. But the part that shocked me, even at that age, mm-hmm. you know, I was, what, maybe 13 years old. I was really kind of taken back over the fact that this administrator, this principal of the junior high, could paddle somebody without the the parent even giving any kind mm-hmm. of of authority to do so. Uh, that really struck me. Yeah, you know, your child could come home from school and say, "I got paddled today for doing X, Y, Z," right, without even getting permission from you to do so. Right. Um, that kind of really, really surprised me. And if you look, there are countless stories out there across the country where this is used in schools where, you know, people will say, well, you have to have parent permission before you use corporal punishment. The fact of the matter is, A, that's not the case in a lot of the school districts, and B, a lot, there's just Google uh, um, lack of parent permission for corporal punishment in schools. You'll find countless times where they had parents sign, yes, that they have to be contacted before corporal punishment, and they weren't. It, wow. it happens all the time. It's very easy to find individual stories from individual school districts. I was watching a video the other day of a superintendent of a school that came right out and said, you know what, we have the parents sign this form, but we're not guaranteed that it, we're always going to go by it because the fact of the matter is we're protected by law to go ahead and issue this. We're not required to have parent permission. That's not what the law says. My goodness. Well, all right, folks, it's time to get this off of Wyoming's law books and bring ourselves into the 20th century. Uh, even though we're in the 21st, let's get caught up to the yeah. last one. Yeah. Uh, Doc, I want to thank you for coming on the show this morning. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate the fact that you've done this study and you brought this to our attention. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, and uh, people that want to have a positive voice, reach out to your, your local legislators. Let's get this off the books. Our, our students deserve a positive voice. You've been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Cheers. At Eliason Financial, money management isn't just about dollars and cents. It's about dreams and opportunities, and more importantly, family. We'll take time to get to know you. 
Then we'll develop a unique wealth management plan that works hard, just like you. To learn more about who we are and what our wealth management advisors can do for you, visit Eliason Financial online or call 307-672-3010. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., Member FINRA, SIPC. Wyoming Corporate Office is the trusted business choice behind thousands of businesses. Whether it's business formation, payroll, corporate paperwork, mail scanning service, or small business phone service, Wyoming Corporate Office powers over 100,000 businesses worldwide and locally. This makes Wyoming Corporate Office the state's largest business-to-business service provider located right here in Sheridan, Wyoming. If you're drowning in corporate paperwork looking for someone with an unmatched experience that cares and wants to be your partner in making your business successful, trust that Wyoming Corporate Office can help you focus on what makes your business tick. Learn more today by visiting visiting wyomingcorporateoffice.com. This is Dan Marshall with Captain Clean. While dirty ductwork and carpet doesn't necessarily mean unhealthy air in your home, school, or workplace, they may be contributing to larger health issues or harboring contaminants that could cause serious problems for people with respiratory health conditions, autoimmune disorders, or environmental allergies. Call Captain Clean today for your free HVAC and free carpet cleaning estimate. It's 100% free. Captain Clean, 672-0726. Affordable choices for healthy living. Nyar, has your house or ship become so bad that your poop deck is now downright crappie? Paint peeling off, her barnacles are bringing down the neighbor's home values. Nyar, you need Devon at Wire Renovation, mate. He'll come by, take a look at your crappy poop deck, and make you an offer. No matter the condition of your ship, or I mean hose, set sail today to rid yourself of that dilapidated mess. Find out more at wirerenovation.com or on Facebook. I'm here with Candace Crane from Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Tommy, hi. Halloween is coming up. Have you figured out your costume yet? Well, I can't wait to show it off. Well, great, because we love spooky season at Sheridan Honda and want to see everyone's costumes on Saturday, October 29th and Halloween on Monday. All right. When you stop in, you get a king-size candy bar and enter for a chance to win a free oil change or $500 in chamber bucks. Trick or treat at Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Have you heard? Sheridan's own VacuTech is growing and they're now hiring part-time weekend workers. Open positions include general labor, machine operators, craters, and more. VacuTech is offering weekend premium pay and a $2,000 sign-on bonus. This is the perfect opportunity to make extra money or even a great living while working weekends and enjoying the week off. For more information and to apply, visit VacuTech's open opportunities page on their website at vacutechllc.com. From the Wyoming Corporate Office Studio on 103.9 FM and 